and learning in Proverbs. It's instruction. It gives us instruction. It guides us. It guards us. And it gives us a gauge. We've learned about wisdom, guarding our tongues. We've examined our emotions and how, to, how they gauge us. Today we're going to examine specifically Proverbs 13.22. It's all about money, 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 money. Isn't it? We all know that song. It's about money. A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. If you read the Amplified Bible, it puts it, a good man leaves an inheritance of moral stability and goodness to his children's children. The Message Bible says, a good life gets passed on to the grandchildren. Ill-gotten wealth ends up with good people. The world teaches us that what we own, what we drive, and what we possess are who we are. We've got to keep up with the Joneses, so to speak. We work longer hours for more money, which means we can buy more things. So we work longer hours so we can get more money. We spend time worrying about what we own more than who we are. Did you know that a new pair of Air Jordan 2, the M&M Way shoes, cost about $1,000? A new pair of Jimmy Choo Belgravia star-studded high tops runs you a mere $2,350. And this is the real kicker for me. A pair of slippers that look like a lasso opso dog running around on the ground costs a whopping $28,000. $28,000 for a pair of slippers that look like a dog running around. Kids ask for them. They see the commercial and they go, I want that. Oh, mom, dad, I need that for Christmas. Oh, my birthday's coming up. I want those shoes. I want those Air Jordans. Or I want those dog-looking slippers. We kill ourselves in overtime hours, scraping together every penny to purchase the latest hot ticket item. Not just for our children, but for our grandchildren. I want to give my grandkids everything that I never had. But I know I can't. I'm not doing them any service if I do. And when we purchase these items that are all the rage that everybody has to have, they end up in the bottom of a closet. Either because the kid is afraid to get them dirty or they're afraid they're going to get beaten up so that somebody else can have them. As a principal, Tom can tell you firsthand about kids being bullied and beaten up over a pair of sneakers. Elementary school. Did you know that in 2015 there were over 1,200 people killed over sneakers? That's 2015, and it's gotten worse. But whether it's one child killed or 1,200 children killed over a pair of sneakers, it's too much. But this is how society sees our status. This is how we're rated by society. Our status has a higher priority than people. Who we are does not matter. It's what we possess that matters. That's what the world tells us. 
It doesn't matter how we attain it. It's direct conflict to what God tells us. If you look at the rest of verse 22, it starts out with, good people leave an inheritance to their grandchildren. And most times people leave it there. But the sinner's wealth passes to the godly. The sinner's wealth. Ill-gotten gains go to the godly. Because they just wither away here. It doesn't matter here. What are we teaching our children? What is society telling our families? Their lives are not as important as the things we possess. We're so busy trying to please the wants of our children, our grandchildren, that we forget to set the example of what is truly invaluable, what is truly important. We're not setting our children's children up for success. A successful life starts with a relationship with Jesus. Shoes are eventually going to wither away to dust or get dirty and get tossed in the garbage. But a relationship with Jesus Christ will last an eternity. Martin Luther, when asked what he would do if if he knew today was going to be his last day, if he was going to die tomorrow, what would you do? He said, I'd go out and plant an apple tree. To me, that's really symbolic. He chose to plant a tree that bears fruit. Even if he's not around to eat it, it will be a fruitful legacy. Are we willing to do that? Beloved, understand there is a huge difference between a legacy and a reputation. A reputation is who you are, who you appear to be, not who you are. It's who you appear to others to be. A legacy is who you are. A reputation is made in moments. A legacy is made over a lifetime. Your reputation can be tarnished by gossip, haters, can be tarnished by actions. Maybe you do one stupid thing and your reputation is tarnished. A legacy is who people know you to be, despite the gossipers, despite the haters. It doesn't matter what they say. Your legacy stands time. Your reputation is what you put on your headstone after your earthly death. A legacy is what your children and your children's children will live over their lifetime. Do you realize that 83%, get that number now, 83% of the men and women incarcerated learned their behaviors and their reputations from their parents or their grandparents. They followed in the path of their family member the legacy that was brought to them by the choices that their parents and grandparents made made a difference in their lives. Albeit, it was not a good difference, but it made a difference in their lives. It became a cycle, a pattern, something that they learned and followed, and it was okay. Because you knew you were going to go to jail. It didn't matter. I grew up with two different examples to model. Most of you know my mom was a drunk. She had a life of partying and having a great time, 
drinking and caring about how she felt in the moment. But my grandparents, now they were a different story. My grandparents brought me to church. My grandparents taught me about Jesus. My grandparents prayed for me every single day. But more than that, they lived it. They lived their legacy to Christ. So I could have chosen a more godly example of caring for others, living a life to be a follower, or I could have chosen to be a drunk. I could have chosen to be a party girl. And I could have done it. I started out doing it. But the legacy that my grandparents left me stuck with me. It changed my life, literally changed my life. Because had I chosen the other path, I don't know where I would be, but I wouldn't be here. But my grandparents gave me this. God's unrelenting, fervent pursuit of me and the legacy that my grandparents left me. My life would have been so different. I am forever grateful that my grandparents and God never gave up on me, never stopped praying for me. Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, not only to me, but also to those who have longed for his appearing. Paul here spoke of his legacy. Paul remained faithful. He fought the good fight, and he finished the race. He kept the faith. That's a legacy worth aspiring to. Isn't that the legacy we all want to leave for generations to come? It's the legacy I want to leave. Something that's of substance that stands the test of time for generation to generation. A life pointed back to Jesus. These things that Paul writes shows us who we are battling. We're not really battling commercials and advertisements and, and all this fun stuff, but evil rulers, principalities, and authorities. As we learned in Ephesians 6, 10 through 13, a final word, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you're able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. We live in a dark world. We must, we must put on the armor of God daily. Beloved, Paul shows us that we must be aware of who we are fighting against and how we must arm ourselves daily with the armor of God so that we too can fight the good fight and stand firm. Leaving, leaving a legacy is a daily lifestyle 
Don't get me wrong, we cannot be casual about our relationship with Jesus, nor can we become complacent and only seek God when a crisis comes up. We must show in our daily walk that Jesus is our priority. Most of us have seen the movie War Room. If you haven't, you need to. I have a copy, and I'll be happy to loan it to you. Miss Clara, in War Room, taught Elizabeth to pray daily, go into her closet and pray. Eventually, Elizabeth's daughter, Danielle, caught this, and she started making a list of things to pray for. Miss Clara left a legacy that affected not only her family, but somebody else. The Jordan family was affected by her legacy. That's what I call leaving a legacy. That's what changes lives. Because we're not here to just walk through life, people. We are here to point people back to Jesus so that their lives can be changed. We as a people often get complacent about whose we are. Not just who we are, but whose we are. Every person in here calls themselves a child of God. You cannot forget whose you are. We tend to connect with God when we want things to change. Maybe we need him to intervene on our behalf. We run to God to fix things that we broke, things that we messed up, or things that we don't like. Do we run to Jesus as a way of life for him to be our champion? We need to start living like champions for Christ. We are a child of God. Beloved, we must, we must, we must change our ways. We must be willing to be bold in living out our faith so that others, when the others see us, they go, wow, I want that. Or I want to do that. I want to be like that. That's living a life for Christ. To become effective for the kingdom, we must be diligent in our disciplines of faith. Our disciplines of faith are Bible study, prayer, study, church, fellowship. Those are disciplines of faith. Sometimes it's not easy to get up Sunday morning at 5.30, because I am not a morning person, but I get up Sunday mornings at 5.30 so that I can pray before I go to bed, before I get up and get going. I pray for everyone here. I pray for the building. I pray for First Church. I pray for everything that's going to occur today. Do you know that I don't get up at 5.30 every morning? But I do on Sundays. But when I get up on the other days, usually about 6.30, 7 o'clock, I pray for the same things. If all I ever do is preach about God and I don't connect with him, then I become the hypocrites that the world sees us as. Every one of you can say the same thing. If you don't live what you preach or teach or talk about, then you become the hypocrites that the world says, oh, you're one of them. You're a Christian who's a hypocrite. All Christians are hypocrites. We have to change that perception, and it starts here. 
It starts with every one of us. We must set the example for our children, our children's children, our extended family members, our neighbors, our coworkers, and anybody else we interact with. We have to set the example. We have to be the light of Jesus for them. Several years ago, my sister and her husband, who were quite rich, traveled all over the world for a couple weeks at a time. They lived up in New York, and they would fly down here and drop their kids off. They had two daughters for me to babysit. Now, here I am, a single mom, working two jobs, trying to survive. But I loved having my nieces here. The joy. It was so wonderful. I would get up in the mornings. I'd bring them to church with me. I'd bring them to Bible study with me. I'd do Bible studies with them. I loved that time. We'd sing songs. We talked about who Jesus is. We talked about how much he loves them. My sister heard from one of my nieces. Aunt Debbie brought us to church, and we went to Bible study, and I got to meet new friends, and it was so great. Mom, can you bring us to church? She called me up. It wasn't the most pleasant conversation I've ever had with her on the phone. She screamed at me, cussed at me, yelled at me, and told me, never take my kids to church. They're not going to learn about your God, your ways. But guess what? Next time they wanted to go on vacation, who did they bring the kids to? Aunt Debbie. And I told my sister, I'm sorry, but this is who I am. I'm bringing them to church. And I'm doing Bible studies with them. If you don't like it, get a babysitter. But I'm their aunt. I have a responsibility to them. So I brought them to church. I sang songs with them. We did Bible studies. We had such a great time for two weeks And I watched the kids grow. I watched my nieces grow in Christ. So when my one niece got home, she'd say, can you bring us to church, Mom? Dad, can you please bring us to church? After much, uh, much discussion, she got her way. My sister started bringing her to church, dropping her off, but she'd pick her up. And if she couldn't do it, Ange would run next door to the neighbor and say, you're going to church today, can I go with you? This is not my legacy. This was my grandparents' legacy. They taught me how to live, to be a child of God, a disciple of Christ, My niece got married in a church, goes to church every Sunday, sings in the choir, plays piano, and loves God with all her heart. It is nothing that I did. It's what my grandparents gave me. I just passed it on. She loves going to church. She loves Jesus. And she knows that Jesus loves her. That's a legacy. That's a legacy that my grandparents left her. And they're not even here to watch it, but they're watching. They know 
that their granddaughter, great-granddaughter, has a relationship with Jesus Christ. We must be. We must be prepared for the battle because it is a battle. Living in this world is a battle. 2 Corinthians 6-7 tells us, in truthful speech and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and the left hand. If we're not armed for battle, if we're not making choices in keeping with God's righteousness, then not only are we armed, not armed well, but we diminish God's strength for the battle. Think about it. If somebody says, I challenge you to a duel, and you take a strand of spaghetti and you duel with them, but they have a sword... Who do you think is going to win the battle? It's not going to be Spaghetti Boy or Spaghetti Girl. It's going to be the one carrying the sword. We have swords. We have God's word. The sword of truth is all we need. Part of the armor. We need the armor of God. But we need his armor. I just can't imagine going into fight without strand of spaghetti. But that's what we fight with. When we argue with somebody, what do we fight with? Do we fight with God's word? Or do we fight with that one piece strand of spaghetti that's going to break the minute you touch something? We must, we must have the sword of the spirit and the shield of truth in our arms. We've learned before that Israel has been promised an inheritance. But you know what, beloved? She had to fight for it. After Moses' death, the Lord told Joshua, in Joshua 1.3, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Throughout Joshua, we read of battle after battle after battle to attain the promised land. God kept his promise. But the people of Israel had to fight for it, just as we have to fight for God's righteousness to reign in our lives. You can't just get up every morning and go, I'm going to go live my life. I'm going to go do what I want to do. The battle between principalities rages on. My brothers and sisters, it is a never-ending battle. Never ends. So how do we run the race? Hebrews 12.1 tells us exactly how to do that. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. You notice it doesn't say throw off a few things that hinder us. It says throw off everything that hinders us, whether it's television shows, places that you go, things that you do that you know you shouldn't do, those hinder you. Get rid of them. It's not easy, but it's a battle. Battles are not easy. You have to give them to God. could be our jobs. Maybe our jobs hinder us. So you quit your job, and then what? 
Ryan's lived that. He had to make a choice. It was not an easy choice. But Ryan made the choice that was right to grow himself in Christ. We must get rid of the things that hinder us. We need to stop listening to the world. We need to listen to God. He's given us very, very clear instructions on how to live our lives. He's told us how to look to him and not to the world for our affirmation. And the only way to know the instructions is to read your Bible. You can come to church every Sunday, listen to Christian Jay, myself, preach, or any preacher for that matter, for 30, 40 minutes. You can do that. And then you can walk out those doors and be who you were before. But if you go back home, back to living in the world, and not for your and for yourself. And you never open your Bible. You never study God's word. Church just becomes an outing. A nice time to go meet with people, meet with your friends. Easy enough to do. It's a day of pretense. We must be different. We have to be diligent in learning. We have to be diligent in studying. We have to be different in striving to be more Christ-like. Our study habits, our prayers, our prayer life, and our faith are what molds us to be disciples of Christ. We could just be church attenders We have Easter church attenders. We have Christmas church attenders. We have Sunday church attenders. Not here. I will tell you, Sawgrass does not have Sunday church attenders. We have disciples of Christ at Sawgrass. But you all have to work at it. You don't just come in for 30 minutes, listen to us ramble on, and go home and do nothing. You attend Bible studies. You attend worship things. You attend the things that make you disciples of Christ. That's how it starts. That's how it continues. That's how it has to be. So how do we measure our lives in Christ? Do we know that we're growing? You can see our, your growth in him. You can see your, the growth in those whose lives have an, you have an impact on. I watched my niece. It was awesome to watch Anj come down and visit. Each time, she got progressively more interested in, Aunt Debbie, can we go to church? I said, honey, it's Tuesday. There's nothing going on. Aunt Debbie, can we do a Bible study? Oh, Sure. Absolutely. But she wanted to go to church. She felt peace. She felt comforted. She felt growth and she felt connected. It was an awesome time for me. And I look at her now. She's got her doctorate. 
She's a licensed psychologist. But that's not who she her claim to fame is. She's a child of God. That's who her claim to fame is. And now she has a niece because my other niece had a little girl. And Anj wants to teach her about Christ. That is a legacy that my grandparents left. That's how we measure our growth. Do others grow because of our relationship with Christ? Do others grow? Do we grow because we're in his word? Do we see our growth? Growing is seeing the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, in the lives of our children, in the lives of our friends, in the lives of our neighbors. That's where you see the growth. If there is no growth, we're just living a show. Is that where you want to be? We must live to please God, not to please man. And God gives us direction in his word all over the Bible how to live to please him. Are we going to make mistakes? Sure. Under our own power, we cannot fight the good fight. We can't finish the race, and we can't keep the faith on our own. Galatians 2.20 tells Paul tells us, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. It's kind of profound. My old self has been crucified with Christ. Can you guys see the visual of it? We can no longer live for ourselves. We can no longer live the way we choose to live. So I want to read that again, just because I think it's so profound. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The key part in that for us is trusting. We cannot run this race by ourselves. We cannot keep our faith by ourselves. Circumstances, life comes up and smacks us in the face. Smacks us in the face. If we're relying on our own power, we're going to fall. And that's part of the reason that we have fellowship with each other is because we can lift one another up when stuff happens. We can pray for our brothers and sisters when stuff happens because we can't do this alone. My favorite verse is Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. 
It's his strength. And I have to ask for it, let me tell you, a lot. <laughs> because life happens. Life happens to all our families. And as parents, when our kids hurt, it just crushes us. But we find strength in him. When our grandchildren hurt, oh, my heart just rips out. But I find strength in him. Because I know ultimately, he will give me the power. He will give me the strength. Because on my own, I'm un incapable of any accomplishments. But through Christ, I can, I do, endure, handle, and complete any task he calls me to. Some of them just stink. But I know I've got this because I have him. And that's where we all are. When life comes up and smacks you in the face and you think you can't breathe and you think you can't get up and you think you can't go on, trust him. That's how we create a legacy. People who leave behind a legacy of faithfulness live sacrificially for something greater than themselves. They don't live to see their name in lights. They don't care if others throw accolades and pat them on the back and say, job well done. They don't care. They live for him. That's a life of faith. It's a life for God. Do you know every one of us is going to pass away? Every one of us. There's no escaping it. And every one of us is going to leave a legacy. Again, there's no escaping it. It's not optional. What kind of legacy do you want to leave? I want to leave a legacy that my grandparents left me, living a life in Christ, following him, no matter the cost. Because any cost I have to pay is nothing in compared to what he paid. I've not been asked to give up my life so that my kids or my grandkids or my great-grandkids can have whatever. All I've been asked to do is follow him. Some days it's hard. He's not saying it's not. But Jesus walked this earth so he could experience every single emotion, every single trial, every single thing that we go through. And he did it. So that he could walk with us hand in hand and say, I got this. I've got your back. I love you. I am strong for you. But you're not going to know that if you're not reading his word. Leaving a legacy is not about the best singer, the best actress, the most well-dressed grandpa, or the best golfer or the best football player, or I got the best pair of shoes, leaving a legacy 
is about pointing everybody to Christ and solidifying that for them. So again, I'm going to ask, what kind of legacy do you want to leave? Do you want to leave a fistful of cash, stuff, trinkets that someday are just going to be dust? Maybe your legacy is going to be a nice sentiment written on your headstone. Beloved mother, grandmother, grandfather, father. Or do you want to leave a legacy for others? that point them to Jesus. A legacy that grows them, teaches them, loves them, supports them, strengthens them, encourages them, and teaches them how to be disciples of Christ. The choice is yours. I know everybody in this room. I know what choice you make. It's not always easy. But God is with us. God has given us his word to leave a legacy for him. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for giving us direction, instruction, and your word to stand strong even when life wants to yank us down and pull us down. Thank you for showing us how to leave a legacy of you. We just love you and we thank you for today and are grateful for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.